WOLB Baltimore and WERQ-FM HD3 Baltimore. The views and opinions of the guest and host you hear on 1010 WOLB are not necessarily those of the staff and management of Radio 1, its sponsors, or advertisers. like to thank the people out here to support this bill. Where y'all at? Okay. And I also would like to give thanks to all these petitioners because we actually consulted the people in the neighborhood. We got there, you know, we wanted to know how they felt about what was going on in their communities. Unlike a lot of these agencies, we actually consulted the people in the communities. Okay. And we got almost a thousand names uh, on these uh, petition forms. Some of them are still out. So, and what the petition says is, to, uh, to Mayor Pugh, the Baltimore City Council, Governor Hogan, the Maryland State Legislature, and the U.S. Congress. Yes, I agree that we should, one, end the displacement of people from their neighborhoods and end the destruction of their communities just to give land and taxpayer subsidies to developers and investors. Two, introduce the, the 1% interest renovation slash rebuilding loan dollar house dollar lot program because the house will be built from the ground up for the individual citizen as a fairest way to ensure funds earmarked for the community are used to help the people who actually live there with training, jobs, and home ownership. Number three, end the destruction of the remaining affordable housing stock in Baltimore, a city with a documented lack of affordable housing. I've seen people walking around the streets scared to death. But you know what? If they live in a decent house, that they will eventually have a deed to they straighten up their back. They have a little bit of pride. If you see those brothers slinging on the corner, if they had a trade, they could know how to go and make a decent living and not have to run from the police. We have a murder rate of almost 300 young people in this city. Suppose somebody gave a tenth of them a job where they could take a paycheck to the bank and cash it for real dollars. And suppose me, a 68-year lady, doesn't have to worry, I got to get out of here before it gets too dark. Do you hear me? Do you understand what I'm saying? What I'm saying is real simple. Help the brother that's trying to help the rest of us. We got his back. And if you play your cards right, we'll have your back. We've got to be the, the, the lightning rod in this nation because every urban city in this country, through conspiracies, find themselves with thousands of abandoned houses don't tell me that's not by design we've got to break out of that genocidal approach to people who want to live and have a right to, to life liberty and the pursuit of happiness let there be no doubt justice delayed is justice denied 
Welcome back to another exciting and informative edition of the Call Tyrone Show. And I'm your humble host, Tyrone Boast, to uh, take you back on another exciting journey into information to help our community understand where we uh, are at. Okay. All right. So um, I was listening to something, and I, and I do this. I listen to a lot of different shows in my, while I'm running my errands in my business. I run a plumbing, heating, and cooling business in my, in my real life. I'm a mild mannered uh, master HVAC tech, master plumber, master uh, gas fitter, certified pipe welder, and some other stuff I care not to uh, talk about. But today I'm in my role as your humble host, Tyrone Boast. So as I'm going about my errands, I heard um, uh, on one of the shows, and I'm not going to get into you know what show it was or anything. I'm not into uh, criticizing any anybody's shows. I, I, I think we have some good programming here. At the station, so for the most part, and uh, you know how people do their shows is no concern of mine. But what I would like to comment on is uh, somebody had comment. Uh, one of the callers had commented on a guy named Jamie Diamond. Okay, and they said this fella, he's a he he's I think he's the CEO off the top of my head, the CEO of Morgan Chase. Okay, and as we know, Morgan Chase was responsible for a lot of the blight that happened in the black community, places like Cleveland, Baltimore, uh, places like. Uh, uh, Chicago, they were responsible for a lot of that blight with these us with the sub uh, prime mortgage scandal that hit our communities, and uh, where they were giving out interest only loans where you paid interest, you might be paying three hundred dollars a month for an improvement to your house, and then all of a sudden it balloons up to three thousand dollars a month, and then now you're throwing out your house on your butt. Okay, yeah, you were punished during that scandal, but a lot of the mortgage companies weren't. They admitted to doing this stuff. Nobody went to jail. They admitted to doing this stuff. You were punished. You lost your house. But <laughs> if you were um, uh, in the mortgage industry, you got, first of all, you got $7 trillion in loans from the federal government. And you got $70 billion in just free money from the federal government. So you were bailed out. And nobody went to jail. <laughs> but you were, too, you were too big to fail. You know, it's, it's all about you. It's not about the sensory and the communities you damaged, mainly the black community. Because these, these uh, scams were taking place exclusively in the black community. And in some cases, they would do it to Hispanics that didn't speak English well. Okay. And um, and they admitted to that. And I know people that it's happened to personally because there was the law at that time said that you didn't have to tell people that they qualified for better loans, for cheaper loans. And uh, so they sold them substandard uh, loans, even though they qualified for better ones, cheaper loans, rather. So in this way, because um, if you're a mortgage broker, you make more money the more expensive the loan is. So, in, in this way, some mortgage uh, uh, brokers made seven times as much money by cheating black people <laughs> than they would have made, you know, just being legit and telling them, look, you, you qualify for this loan. I'm not going to charge you excessive interest because you have your credit scores are so high or you're, you have decent enough credit scores where you don't have to pay this kind of money to get credit. And I know personally, I sold, I sold real estate back at that time. So I know personally of people that I tried to warn that, look, you qualify for a better loan. They didn't want to listen to me. And, um, you know, and then the uh, countrywide, for instance, I was telling a young lady, you qualify for a better loan than what you're getting based on your credit scores. And she didn't want to believe me because nobody wants to believe um, that, that, you know, these good people, these good white folks would cheat them. And um, come to find out, you know, they got sued, class action lawsuit for exactly what I was trying to tell her they were trying to do to her. Okay, so normally and I try to tell people 
when I'm saying something, I know what the hell I'm talking about. I'm not just, you know, I'm not your typical Negro, uninformed, just talking stuff, has, have no idea, no basis, no research, nothing to back up what I'm saying. You get a lot of that, so people tend not to trust, you know, what, what you're saying because based on the false information they received in the past from people that were uninformed and, it's, you know, just talking off the top of their head. Okay, so this guy, uh, Jamie uh, Diamond, he went into the head of the Morning Chase, you know, I guess they turned over um, New Leaf. He went to uh, Detroit, and he was able to help them, you know, revitalize. And, um, yeah, he, he gave money to the downtown area, which we've done in Baltimore. He um, he also helped some people uh, get loans, non-traditional loans. This is partially what we're trying to do with our program. It also requires some investment from the, from the uh, you know, the public troll, too, as all developers that come into the city they want money they want your tax dollars they don't just do it out of kind of their heart they want your tax dollars too and when i say when somebody does a project or development project yeah it looks nice but at what cost and who is it benefiting is it just benefiting affluent people or is it benefiting middle class and working class people you know low, low as well that's what you got to look at who owns the houses are, i mean are they just rentals because now in baltimore the renters exceed um, homeowners after that uh, that mortgage crisis we just went through where they were cheating black people out of their houses, okay, and it caused all this blight. So, I mean, who, who I mean, are these apartments? You know, because we find that in neighborhoods, and studies have shown, the neighborhoods where people own, actually own their houses, the majority owners, they're safer neighborhoods, they're cleaner neighborhoods because people have stake in the neighborhood, okay? So we want to promote home ownership, and in the program, which is a www.baltimore4homes.com, homes, stands for Home Ownership Opportunity and Ministry for Economic Success. We're trying to uh, have affordable houses where uh, we're looking at um, Baltimore as people, beggars, sitting on a pot of gold, okay? You got all these vacant houses in the black community. We want to restore them. And at uh, 1% interest, you know, loans direct from the state or from the city, a $100,000 renovation would end up being a, um, a $300 a month mortgage. Most people can afford a three hundred dollar a month mortgage, renovation mortgage. Okay, and we we restore this city. We can train young men in the trades because it's going to take electricians, plumbers, and uh, uh, carpenters, and all kinds of tradesmen that make living wages. You know, another big problem in Baltimore. You got to have four or five jobs. You know, to make one real job. So, in this way, we feel like we can turn the crowd around because a lot of that a lot of the murders people. A social economic in nature, and you cannot solve the problem with the police alone. It's a myth if you believe that, and uh, you haven't done much reading about things that worked in other cities. So the police, and the police chief will tell you, the police, every police chief we've had has told you that the police cannot do <laughs> this alone. We're not going. You can't rush your way out of this because what happens is if you don't change the root cause, which is poverty, abject poverty in some of these neighborhoods. And I know we don't want to admit we still have poverty. We do, people. Well, wake up. We get, there's poverty. That's why we have Swedish kids. They are real poor people. There's not just people out here just, just trying to get on your nerves while you're driving your BMW. No. These people are real. They're, they're poor kids. They um, A lot of them don't have any food in their homes because their parents are out doing whatever, you know, uh, chasing dope or whatever. But it's not their fault the parents are doing that. You can't blame that on a child. Okay? So if you want to help the Swedish kids... You know, get on the bandwagon and try to get some summer jobs for them. We had 4,500 kids turn away from summer jobs last year. 4,500 poor kids turn away from summer jobs. You wonder why they're squeezy kids? <laughs> you lack perception, you know, and vision if you don't understand that. You, if you don't, if you can't the correlation. I mean, you're just, you're just not, not that smart. There is a correlation, okay? Because I remember, and I was telling one of the squeezy kids, when I was, he this guy was 17 years old. I said, how many summer jobs you had? He said, I had one. The whole time he was a teenager. 
And it wasn't because he didn't want one. It's because he couldn't get it. It was not available. I, I remember my son, he didn't really need a summer job. I, you know, I took good care of him. But he wanted to work anyway. He wanted to make his own money. And uh, he couldn't even get a summer job. And I was trying to explain to him um, that when I was a kid, I get a summer job almost every year. Almost every year. I don't want under white mayor. Almost every year, I, w- I wanted one. And I had a, I had a, um, a workforce job in the winter. That I could, as long as I kept my grades up, I could go there three days, three, three nights a week and make money. And I used that money to help my mother. My mother got most of my check. My mother got most, so you can, you can imagine a single mother with four kids and they got summer jobs and or all year round jobs. How do it help the, you know, boost that, our economy, our general economy? Because poor people spend 96% of their money. Rich people spend like 30% of their money doing whatever. You know, that's why trickle down doesn't work. Because uh, and the guy that that invented trickle down said it didn't work, but white folks and Republicans are still holding on to that idea that it doesn't work. Because poor people spend hundred uh, percent of, of if you give poor people a thousand dollars, they'll spend a hundred percent of it <laughs> in like a month. Okay, middle class people they'll spend like ninety percent of it. You know, just try to survive. You give that you give um, you give rich people money a lump sum of money. Then they're going to spend. Let's say you give a billion dollars to to rich people. They're not. They're not going to spend all that. They're going to instead of dispersing among a hundred million people, uh, middle class people. The middle hundred. If you disperse it among the middle class people, they'll spend ninety six percent of that money and put it back in the in the economy. The middle class and the poor. The rich people are going to just spend thirty percent, and then a lot of that money is going to go to another generation because they're going to save it. You know, for the next generation. And there's only a finite amount of money in the economy. A finite amount. It's not limitless. But we want we want to have poverty because we want this to be okay for people, some people to be hungry and uh, not have health care, while other people have the wealth of the pharaohs. You know, they might well just get buried with their gold. We want that to happen because we think in our minds, we believe the myth that one day we're going to be a billionaire. That is so rare. That is so rare. You got a bad, bad chance of being struck by lightning, sitting in the same spot at least 10 times for that to happen to you. Okay, now it does happen. To, to people like you got your Oprahs and you know you got your you know Jay Z's okay yeah it does it does happen and they make a big deal about it but uh, if you <laughs> most people that move ahead in life they move ahead one class even one class one class either uh, if they move at all or they move horizontally they say middle class but um, there, it's very rare that you get that. Uh, most people are born into wealth that's what I'm trying to say in this country now and it's getting worse and worse it's, and and. By about 2035, um, it's, it's going to be like 98% of the people that have wealth will be born into it. So you got people like Donald Trump that people say is a great self-made man, a businessman. That man was born rich. He was born rich. He was born a billionaire. Okay? And he bankrupted five times. He was the worst uh, businessman in history. Okay? According to the IRS, because he lost $900 million back in the 90s. The worst businessman in, in, in history. U.S. history. So how do you get to be a self-made, brilliant businessman the only thing that Trump has is his name. That's it, his brand. That's what he's selling. That's what, that's what he sells. He was so bad as a businessman that they wouldn't lend him any money. That's why he's in trouble uh, going to these different countries, trying to get money from Russia and all this stuff, because he bankrupted. Okay, so, <laughs> well, to make a long story short, it's the same stuff that uh, Mr. Diamond's touting, we're touting, and we've been saying for, for, for the longest time. And I'm, I'm like, what Mr. Diamond's saying is that development, will bring us out of this. It will help to, you know, bring people out of poverty. It'll help reinvigorate the city. We've been saying that with the homes program for years. Now, why it takes a white man to say it, I have absolutely no idea. I have absolutely no idea. 
I mean, I guess some of us are built like that. We still have slave mentality that unless it comes from a white person, it's not valid. You know, so I don't blame white people to think like that. I blame um, black people when they think like it. You know, we can, we can do this. And then in the program, www.baltimore4homes.com, not only will you have a $300 a month mortgage for $100,000 renovation, you'll have young black men being trained in trades to get um, living wages. Okay, a part of this problem, this big problem. And um, I told you about the judge, uh, oh, God, the uh, uh, Pastor Klein. She was sentencing people to work instead of jail, nonviolent offenders. And she came up with a uh, 6% recidivism rate. Hey, the recidivism rate in, in, in Maryland is 68%. That's two-thirds. Be back in three years in jail. With her program, using jobs, you know, instead of jail, she was able to lower it to 6%. Now, that's a crime reduction that proves that proves that work is related to crime and then that poverty is related to crime. So if you want to stop the murders, let's stop being an island and, and try to stop hoarding the wealth because the elite in the city hoard the wealth. And one of the biggest ones is, is John Hopkins. They pay no tax. They pay no taxes, but they, they, have, they make decisions on whether black, black people get their homes or whatever. Okay? Okay, so what we're going to do, I'm, uh, first of all, we're going to um, talk about... Uh, um, 23, clip, clip 23. This is James Baldwin. He said this in 1963, and tell me if it's not true now. Um, the great, late great James Baldwin. A boy last week, he was 16 in San Francisco, told me on television. Thank God we got him to talk. Maybe somebody will start to listen. He said, I got no country, I've got no flag. Now he's only 16 years old. And I couldn't say you do. I don't have any evidence to prove that he does. They were tearing down his house because San Francisco is engaging, as all, most northern cities now are engaged, in something called urban renewal, which means moving Negroes out. Getting, it means Negro removal. That is what it means. And the federal government is, a, is, is, is an accomplice to this fact. Now, this we're talking about human beings. There's not such a thing as a monolithic wall or, you know, some abstraction called the Negro problem, these Negro boys and girls who at 16 and 17 don't believe the country means anything that it says and don't feel they have any place here on the basis of the performance of the entire country. But now, Jim... No, am I exaggerating? No, I certainly could not say that you're exaggerating. Yeah, tell me that ain't true. <laughs> what he was saying is that urban renewal is Negro removal. He said it in 1963, okay? James Baldwin was a brilliant man. James Baldwin didn't have college, but he was able to... Um, debate William Buckley at the Cambridge debate and win, okay, in England, and, and <laughs> without any college. And uh, William Buckley prided himself on being a Yale graduate, one of the finest supposed schools in the world because, um, in the United States anyway, because now, from now, uh, it used to be, once upon a time, you didn't need, you need to have college be a Supreme Court justice, okay? A lot of people don't know that. Most of the Supreme Court justices, because they have it for life, didn't have a law degree. Okay, so the Constitution is written in plain language, a lot of it, the, the beginnings of it. And you look at Google this. Most Supreme Court justices didn't have a law degree because there's no requirement in the Constitution that they have it. Now, all of a sudden, you got to have a law degree. Not only have a law degree, you have to have it from Yale or Harvard all of a sudden. So now we got these stupid rules where uh, corporations of people and all this other stuff, when you really just require people to have common damn sense and understand fairness, you know, and they can have a staff to those law. Okay. Man don't have to go uh, to Harvard to understand fairness and justice, 
that might make him even more um, <laughs> against it. You know, because he's going he's gonna to get an elitist attitude if you send him to an elitist school. So we got a, we got um, group think in the Supreme Court now. If everybody's coming from Harvard and everybody's coming from, yeah, you can't come from Coppin and be a Supreme You can't come from Morgan and be a Supreme Court justice. You know, like I said, this man had no college and he still beat a Yale alumnus in a debate. Okay. And like I said, he's saying stuff back in 1963 that's still applicable today. And Malcolm X used to quote James Baldwin, by the way. And who, Malcolm X, by the way, never had, <laughs> never went to college either. He dropped out of high school. And you have college professors quoting him. Okay. And he engaged in a uh, debate at Oxford and won that debate. So um, <laughs> what I'm getting at is that uh, a lot of these things still ring true. What we're going to talk about now is um, how whiteness was created. And uh, that would be um, 85. Because a lot of white folks don't understand that it's just the rich using you in a divide and conquer strategy. And poor whites are just as oppressed as black. Not just as oppressed. I mean, they're oppressed too. I would say just as oppressed, but they are oppressed too. They still don't know it. And there was no white race. We didn't love each other. We spent most of our time in Europe killing each other. The English hated the Irish. The Irish hated them back. Northern Italians didn't consider Southern Italians to even be Italians, right? The Germans hated everyone. And the feeling was quite often mutual, right? I mean, the history of Europe was sort of the history of killing one another and looking for the witch, alternately. That was the other thing we did a lot. We didn't consider ourselves one big happy family. But all of a sudden, in the middle of the 1700s, there becomes a need for this thing called the white race. Well, what changed, right? What changed was rich folks looked around, started counting, and realized they were heavily outnumbered. When you take African enslaved folks, European indentured servants, just one level above enslavement, when you look at other peasants in the European group who maybe weren't indentured, you put them together, they outnumber the elite, right? You had a handful of folks that owned all the stuff, and everybody else working for them, see, some things really don't change. 400 years on, we're back to that, right? And so they looked around and realized they had to figure out a way to get some of those poor Europeans on their team. They create the notion of whiteness, the white race, give out little perks here and there. You can enter into contracts, testify in court. You can vote at least if you're male. We're going to put you on the slave patrol to keep those people in line, right? It's not real power. You know, you're on the slave patrol. You don't own the land, Right? You know, and this is important in, in an era of police misconduct in our country to understand. This is the bright line of the first iteration of law enforcement was slave patrol, right? And black and brown folks know that. See, knowing your history is really important because I gather that a lot of white Americans don't know that history that stretches from slave patrols to the present. And if you don't understand that and you don't understand the way in which black life has been discounted so regularly, then a phrase like, let alone a movement like Black Lives Matter won't make sense to you, right? Yeah, because you were saying stuff like, blue lives bad too. Oh, all li- my life bad too. Okay, yeah, we know that. That's a given. Okay. What black people are saying with Black Lives Matters is that Black Lives Matters as well as yours. I mean, it's already a given in society that your life matters. That's like going to a, um, um, a breast cancer uh, rally and saying, okay, well, I got um, prostate cancer, so prostate cancer matter too. Okay, no, they didn't say that. <laughs> That it didn't matter. What they're saying is that breast cancer matters. Okay, so I think that's the, that's the, the biggest misread when, when when white folks in general try to understand black lives matter. They think it's because it's anti-police. No, it's anti-police brutality, and that was the whole thing with with, with the uh, Kaepernick debate. They thought uh, that Kaepernick 
um, was protesting the flag because Donald Trump told you he was doing that and you believed it. <laughs> okay? This man's P.T. Barnum, man. He's the biggest con artist that ever lived. Basically, he conned his way through the White House. And he's telling you that Cal Ripken is um, protesting the flag. I'm not Cal Ripken. I'm sorry. God, Kaepernick is protesting the flag, and you're you're silly enough to believe that. And Cal uh, Kaepernick is telling you that's not what he's protesting. He's protesting police brutality because a guy of his size, they're the ones that's going to actually get that brutality because a lot of it is done out of fear. Okay, so we're going to one, we're gonna go to one more real quick, um, and then we're going to go uh, to uh, the phones. Okay, so. Um, let's talk about divide and conquer, and um, and that's eighty six, uh, Titus. And why the white why why white male suicide rates are increasing? <laughs> it's, it's skyrocketing. White white males <laughs> suicide rates are skyrocketing, and this is why. Right. I guess what I'm trying to say is white folks should have been listening to people of color this all along. If we way. had, we would have known that the system was rigged. See, we would have known that the system He's was a, a scam, guy. that it was a fraud, that it was a hoax. And maybe then we could have joined in solidarity with people of color to change that system rather than falling for the divide and conquer. Because the divide and conquer now, it's not just that it takes people away from recognizing their class interest. It's that identifying with whiteness and the expectationalism that comes with it is literally killing folks because they don't have the coping skills to deal with setback. It's something James Baldwin wrote about. This is what Baldwin said. He was writing about black folks and the ability of people of color to overcome obstacles and the inability sometimes of the dominant group to do it. He said, I don't mean to romanticize suffering, but that person who can never suffer can never grow up. That man who has to snatch his manhood out of the fires of human cruelty that rage to destroy it every day, learns something about himself in the process that no school and no church on earth can teach. And that is a sense of his own authority. And that is unshakable because in order to save his life, he has to constantly figure Figure out the meaning behind the words. When a person is constantly having to survive the worst that life can bring, they cease to be afraid of the worst that life can bring. See, folks of color ain't scared in this country right now. Are they concerned? Yes. Are they disturbed? Yes. But are they afraid? Absolutely, they are not because they have seen this movie before, right? And they know that that movie doesn't end until we say that it ends. And if you haven't had a chance to go to that museum in D.C., please do it. It will restore you. You will see the images. You will see Nat Turner's Bible. You will see Emmett Till's original casket. You will see the images of all those who came before this administration and tried, tried, tried to destroy the spark of liberty and freedom and justice that is always burned in black and brown folks' breasts and souls and minds and have failed to do so. And like I said, if you come out of there and you're still worried about this moment and this man and this presidency, you need to go back through again and pay a little bit closer attention because at the end of the day, we're the ones who will make America great. Not again, but for the very first time. Thank you all so much for being here. Okay, that was uh, that was um, Tim Wise. He's a social advocate for uh, fairness and racial equality. He's a white guy. And like I said, all white people aren't bad. We have, some, we have some good ones out there that are doing more work in that regard than a lot of black people. And um, he just goes around lectures and explains about, you know, why the, a lot of people don't know there's white privilege. <laughs> And he explains how it exists, why it exists, how social and, and institutional racism works and things of that nature. Things that the average person doesn't see because it's so hidden and subdued in plain sight. Let's um, go to Gene. And then we'll talk about, um, and then we'll go to Brown. But let's um, go to Gene. Then we'll talk about um, um, uh, institutionalized racism in Baltimore, of all places. 
Yeah, hi, how you doing, Tyrone? Yeah, Tyrone. Okay. Uh, I have friends who have gone to and uh, you know, and, you know, a few times going to China. And 50 years ago, let's say 60 years ago, it, it was unheard of for Chinese and even the Russians to be, you know, to be capitalist. And now it's just common, um, you know, knowledge and conversation about how they are capitalists, right? And so what they use there is called uh, artificial intelligence uh, and uh, behavioral modification. Well, and, um, and not to cut you off, but uh, uh, Doug Huxley, the guy that wrote... Um, a Brave New World. He spoke about artificial intelligence, and he also spoke about repressive regimes like Russia and China. And they were asking him why they would able to have creativity and things of that nature. And he said that because they have an oligarchy over there, and as long as they keep certain people happy, they can keep that regime in, in place. Yeah. So they 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 catered to a few people. Yeah, there's capitalism in Russia, but a lot of it is centered towards an oligarchical system. You yeah. know, what I'm saying you have a lot of people with massive wealth. But most of the people are poor and repressed. Yeah, but, but yeah, break down, you yeah. know, the oligarchs. Right. You got to have that. We have yeah. we get it over here too by the way. Increasing. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's becoming yeah, more fashionable here also. Right. Right. And, so as long as you so keep those people happy, as right. long as you, it, it, and it works for black people and white people. As long as you keep yeah. certain black people happy, they'll the help ha- enforce um, racism. Yeah. Um, but, that, but the the, ha- the happiness part is is that you get rewarded for doing what they want you to do. Exactly. And those who don't uh, do what they want it's to like do, it's like a trained seal. Or a trained monkey. Exactly. Yeah, you they get a monkey behave, banana. Yeah, behavioral modification. So what we <laughs> have, what they have over there is called open air uh, penitentiaries. Or right. penitentiaries without walls. Right. And it's, it's the same thing. We see it right there on North Avenue and Pennsylvania Avenue, where people come into the city every day. They act just like... Uh, they, they they act just like they are in prison because they do the same thing right, every right. day. And they are. And, and they use the drugs, right? And they it's don't slavery. have to put them in jail. It's slavery. They don't have to put them in jail. Yeah, Mind slavery. Yeah, it's exactly. And that's what another thing Doug Suxley said. He said people will come to love their slavery. Right. And they'll use things like drugs. He said this back in 1958, by the way. Right. They'll use things like drugs. They'll use things like television, which was a new device back then. Yeah. And uh, once you get people thinking about certain things and yeah. group thinking, and, and you know the Ravens is more important than me, no, my not. family, and everything else, then you can control them because it's an yeah. opioid, you yeah, know. And, you know, and just like yeah, with Pavlov, uh, and that was behavior modification, where uh, they gave the you know whatever they gave them a reward, and they act, act people act accordingly. Right. And, that, and that's Pavlov had dogs. He would do that with dogs, by the way. Yeah, and that's what's Experiment. going on right now. That that's why you can have some of our so-called leaders. You know, lead us down this path. And, yeah, because you know, a lot of them are millionaires. Justin Jackson's a millionaire, by the way. Yeah, so we, I, I just want to know, tie it in, into yeah. what you were saying. So I'm yeah. not going to stay, stay long, man. You keep up the good work. Appreciate you, man. Right, and yeah, thank you for calling me. But Jesse Jackson, you got people like that. They're millionaires. I'm not, not I mean, well, <laughs> yes, I am. Um, you had um, um, Malcolm X, they were broke. Malcolm X and, and uh, Dr. King, you had to have people like Harry Belafonte and um, uh, uh, Earth the Kid and people like that. And Sammy Davis paid his bills. <laughs> pay his bills, and you had a man that could have had a mega church, could have been wealthy beyond his dreams, because he, Dr. King, had that much talent and done some, you know. But he was out there doing his work, doing the work of the people, and he didn't, you know, he wasn't making a lot of money. He wasn't making any money doing that stuff. Really, it cost him money a lot of times. The organizations that he belonged to had to had to foot the bills, fly to different places, and all that stuff. So that's the difference. So before we go to Brown, what we want to do. Let's go to uh, the institutionalized um, racism and. and uh, in Baltimore, and that'll be um, 87, Titus. 
Imagine for a moment you were rich beyond imagination, that you had access to almost incalculable wealth. But there was a catch. The community where you constructed your shiny mansion on the hill was distressed. All around you, the ravages of poverty had caused crime, shorter lifespans, crumbling infrastructure, and an educational system that you wouldn't even send your own kids to. Now imagine that you were part of the problem. Because of a quirk in the tax law, you didn't have to pay a single dime in property taxes. So even though you were getting richer by the minute, the world around you was falling apart. In fact, things were so bad, you had to hire your own police force, the first step toward the dystopian nightmare that we only read about in science fiction novels. At some point, if you were paying attention, you might think to come to the conclusion (laughs) that would help to pitch in, that even though the law did not require you to do so, all your astounding wealth won't matter much if the city where you lived was slow dying. Well, the scenario I just described actually exists right here in our hometown of Baltimore. In fact, all you have to do is drive about two miles from our studio to see the type of conditions I described firsthand. When you do, you'll drive right onto the campus of Johns Hopkins Hospital, an institution that is consistently ranked one of the best in the world. But surrounding this oasis of wealth is an abject picture of poverty. If you look at the images I'm showing on the screen now, you can see that the neighborhoods surrounding Hopkins have not benefited from their proximity. In fact, even though a plan called the East Baltimore Development Initiative has poured tens of millions of dollars into developing the area. Rows of homes still sit vacant. But what's really amazing about this story is a fact that rarely makes headlines. That's because Hopkins is a nonprofit. So the sprawling campus you see on the screen does not pay property taxes, meaning that the institution that generates billions of dollars a year contributes very little to services like police and fire. It is the poorer neighborhoods that surround it that must foot the bill. Yes, the poor pay for Baltimore in more ways than one, buddy. All right, let's bring uh, Brown from Sandstown up and see what he has to say. Hey, 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 Brother Todd Brown from Sandstown. <laughs> hey, go ahead, Brown. Yeah, yeah, all is well. Look, you still hanging that barbershop, I, man? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know how it is, man. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Tyrone, I, I, yeah. I, I, I just wanted to, to, to say something about, about bankruptcy because what we, what, what, uh, we don't want to put that out there as as is bad. It's a it's a debt reliever, right? It's a it's a it's especially a for the super reliever. rich. Yes, I, I get it. And 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 it, it 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 works for everybody. It works for everybody, but they've changed the laws so that they they don't work as well for the middle class. They they've changed the laws in a way where it works better for the, if you if you have a lot of money. But it does work for everybody. That's it that's works true. for everybody. Right. And it's, that's true. It's a, it's I agree. A, it's, a, it's a it's a rebuilding tool. And, right. and when we go talk about uh, development. We already know how development works. It's about an 8% return on their money. Right, right. But, but my program, uh, Brown, I'm not talking about development. I'm talking about well, a revitalization. There's a difference. Right. Okay? Yes. We're not trying to make a bunch of money off people's misery. What we're trying to do is we're trying to restore the city in a way where you can afford a home. Uh, the average person, working class person or middle class person can afford a home, not a $250,000 house, row house, like they're coming out with now. Right. And you can also train some of these young men in the trades as well. Yeah, ahead, that, that's true. And, yeah. and, and Tyrone, and now when you go around and say you have three demolition companies who are removing the houses, part of that $700 million initiative right, right, that, that right. Governor Hogan has. Right, and Sheila, and Sheila, and that they put in place. Three right. demolition companies, they share the money. Then yeah. now they have the union involved. Uh, but what they hold don't on a minute, have, Hold on a minute, hold on a minute, Brown. When they yeah. when they when they first initiated that in Sandtown, they went to Sandtown personally, uh, Something Rollins Blake and Governor Hogan, and they said one of the things Governor Hogan said was these vacant houses are hotbeds of crime. Now they tore down supposedly so many thousands of houses already. Has the crime rate gone down? No, thank no. you, because that wasn't the problem. No. 
they didn't, that, they didn't that, get the problem to root. That's why it doesn't that, work. That's correct. And yeah. on, I totally, I totally agree with you. And now you have so many, and now they saying, "Hey, look, they can down blocks, right?" And no developer. But now, now, now they they sold part of Park Hikes to a Jewish developer. Right? Are, 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 are you aware of that? And I, I'm aware that most development in Baltimore either they give your tax dollars to to the developer directly. Or they give them twenty-five year tax breaks. That happened with uh, Convention Center Hotel. That happened That's with right. uh, the Marriott, uh, the Marriott, and, and some other uh, establishments with the rich. All right, with your seven thousand wealth. That's uh, true, Todd. And, and, and Todd, think. And, and, and here's how they deal with the developers. Because developers come in believing straight up, I'm taking a risk. I'm taking a loss. Okay. So Fair the enough. city. So the city gives them a deal that they cannot refuse to. Try to make up the difference of the risk that 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 they're going to take. Like it's still money. Oh, it's, it's still money. <laughs> they don't give me you. We both contracts. They don't give you me and you money. You know exactly. So it, <laughs> it, it it works. It works for the people that that have the money access to uh, capital uh, with the blueprint mm-hmm. and the analysis and the and, and the game oh, yeah. plan we submitted, that, that's building volume. We submitted um, uh, an SOP. And a, a request for proposal to the city in regards to our program, which benefits not the rich, but the middle class and the working class people of Baltimore. Go ahead. So don't think they don't want with plans. It's true. And Tyrone, you know the building on on Lafayette and Bentlow. It was an old A&P, big, big, big old warehouse, probably about 150 feet in the air. Right, right. I know it's that. Jack mm-hmm. Young selling that for a dollar. The city council trying to give it to a developer for right, a dollar. Right. No one, no one's want that. We don't need it. We don't need it. We don't need housing opportunities for people. Homeownership opportunities. That's true. And Tyrone, down here in Sandtown, when you look at Mount Street, right. that's the 500 block okay. of Mount Street. Make it quick now. I got a couple more calls. The 500 block of Mount Street. Make your point. They dem- demo a whole block. Uh, Lafayette, Harlem Avenue, and Landville, prime real estate for for the for, the, the, for development. Program. I'm putting Let together me. some blueprints right now. Let for, me, before for, you finish, before you finish, before for, you finish, I'm gonna tell you right now. All them houses, all them houses you talk about, they tan now. Yeah, we could have filled with a dollar program and one percent interest loans. I could have filled every last one of them houses up with with working class and middle class people. I would bet three thousand dollars out of my own pocket within a month. I could have done that. That's right, and Tyrone is true because it was a house on Biddle Street that I that the owner stopped from demoing. I went in and restructured the whole shell, and we're putting it back on the tax market. Did you get $11 million? Nope. Okay, so John Hobbs did a project, the EDI. It couldn't have been no more than 15 houses. I count them. <laughs> so, and they got 11, it cost them $11 million in public and private financing. I mean, how does that happen? Well, we could have did 100 houses for 11. Uh, exactly. Uh, and you would have got your money back because it would have been a loan program. At and, and Ty- Tyrone, if you go you down to the development called Bakerville on Pennsylvania, Okay. Oh man, I didn't mean. <laughs> okay. Well, he was talking a long time. Hey Brown, call next week, buddy. I mean, I, I lost you, but I want to give some other people some opportunity. I want to put some other stuff out. But before we go to uh, Sean, let's go to um, uh, the poor pay for Baltimore. And uh, um, hold on. Um, yeah, the poor pay for Baltimore. Ain't I?
Stephen, after the recession hit, nonprofits are what moved in to sort of bring money into cities. They really were the only businesses that were able to flourish. So what are we looking at now with the state of nonprofits in Baltimore, well, Maryland? I mean, basically, I think, and Jessica, you can tell me if this number is correct, I think it's roughly about 25% of all the property in Baltimore. It's actually 30, 30%. It's 30%. 30%. So, yeah, so, we have the highest, one of the highest burdens in the country. We have a disproportionate amount of of places that don't pay property right. taxes. Right, and I mean, you know, so just for example, 30%. if a church buys a piece of property to rent out, like as an apartment, that doesn't get taxed. Now, so that's 30% there. Then we have some of the, you know, as you and I have done investigations on tax breaks, uh, including things like pilots, almost all new apartment buildings built in Baltimore have a 10-year year. pilot, which means that they don't have to pay taxes, to um, property taxes for about 10 years. So uh, the concentration of nonprofits on top of the city's yeah, right, real right. generosity with tax breaks has made, you know, what, what one person we talked to talked to, tax-privileged and tax-punished yes. population. And the tax-privileged are the wealthiest. I mean, the most, the, the thriving institutions here are mostly nonprofits, right? I mean, there aren't many commercial businesses that can, you know, stand up to a Hopkins, um, right. either the university or the hospital. So it's created this strange world where you have this um, occluded uh, group of very wealthy institutions that just don't contribute anything or anything significant to, to the overall general services, population, education, whatever. So it, it's become a very a bifurcated city in some ways. Okay, so that, what they're saying is that 30% of the property, and John Howes, by the way, owns billions of dollars worth of real estate in Baltimore. Okay, 30% of the property taxes aren't collected, and that's mainly uh, the subsidized wealth. Um, you have all the new developments just about, you give them, they give them 25-year tax breaks. I mean, I mean I'm sorry, 10%, I mean, 10-year tax breaks, um, where they ain't got to pay tax for 10 years. Our program that we're trying to do, www.bomber4homes.com, you're paying taxes, okay? You're paying, you're, you're creating tax revenue, so you don't overburden the rest of the city. That's why the t- taxes in Baltimore City are so high. Because you're overburdening the the poor and the people that can least afford it with the tax, with the weight of the taxes, because you're excluding people like the John Hopkins and the, and the non, some of these nonprofits from paying tax. These big nonprofits and in Northern Virginia, they make them pay. Places like Northern Virginia and other places in the country, they make them pay. If you got more than fifty million dollars um, in real estate, they make them pay. Uh, so what's called a pilot um, payment in lieu of taxes, and they got that in Baltimore too, but it's not that extensive. It's it's twenty five percent of what the tax would be, but it could be it could be more. And uh, John Hobbins does contribute six, um, I think, half of that. It only adds up to $6 million, by the way. But John Hobbins controls billions of dollars of property. They've taken property from people. And uh, I don't know why we got hospitals decide where black people can live, where they can't live, when they've <laughs> been using us regularly, documented as guinea pigs for experiments, <laughs> including the Tuskegee, Tuskegee uh, experiment. Okay, so let's go to uh, Sean. Yeah, good morning. Good morning, sir. I have two questions for you. First, yeah. the housing opportunities. Who, how, how are you going to get people who are not don't have the ability to get work into these homes? Then who's going to pay for them? Well, no because one. Because we have a let cycle me, of the same. Let me let me finish your first question. Let me finish. Now. Let me finish your question. Okay. First of all, there's a whole bunch of people in Baltimore City that work work every day, work their tails off every day. Thousands of them, thousands. And if for whatever reason they can't qualify for home loans, they pay their rent on time every month, and they can't qualify for home. So there's plenty of people. Trust me, there's plenty of people that'll, that'll take these houses. And I, and my, I, and, concern, 
Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. We had a thousand people sign a petition about this. We had a thousand people sign a petition from those areas about this, and we packed City Hall the night the, the night we went down there and, and and tried to push this forward. Okay, and then City Hall, the City Council voted on it unanimously that they should recognize this as a viable um, opportunity to boost home ownership, jobs, and everything else. Now, if you can't afford to get the house, you can. This will allow you entree into getting a job that can pay a living wage. Okay, so you get, at least get your foot in the door. Instead of just being so broke. Before I get to my second question, I have Make two questions inside. Well, you dominated. I got okay. two questions inside of this question, which is, okay, they have a, what's going to happen is the same situation where white people wind up with these homes. I, see, well, we want to put... Can we, I finish, please? But let me, I'm going to ask you a question. Before, you made a point. Let me make the point. Okay, you said that white people don't dominate these homes. Okay, we put fixes in it where we want 40% of the blocks to be people making 40000 or less. Okay. What does that mean? That means forty thousand or less. It's not going to be no racial okay, discrimination in this. People, that's a, listen, listen. My concern. Hello. Yeah, I'm listening, man. My concern is for black people. Me, mine man. too. That gets me to my second. Uh, man, I listen to y'all. You, you go baby, ahead. I listen to you people on here sometimes. The concern is not for black people. My second question to you because we're not going to get. I have a okay. Well, I disagree with you. I disagree with you about the concerns not for black people. All right, um, all right let um, me um, go to the. If you're going to tell me, sir, if you're going to tell me that my concern is not for black people, I'm not going to let you talk because that's totally ridiculous. My whole show is about black people. But go all ahead. Right, I mean, let me get to my second. Get question to the second because I could talk to the how I could talk about housing opportunities all day. Right. But the sec the sec. Because I, I care because we could talk about how Baltimore wind up in the position it's in. But right. let me ask you, because I heard you say, I hear all the time that they're good white people. What makes a good white person? A good white person is a person that sees the unfairness and racial... Um, unfairness, let me not finish. justice. Fairness not and justice. justice. And, and, and racist, they see that this is a racist, uh, dominated society. They see that there's institutional racism. Some people turn their blinders on to that. They do. They do. They want to think that racism is a thing of the past. But the the fact that you got Donald Trump in the White House is evidence that racism is, is alive and well. Thank you for your okay, call. Okay, so sir. what call makes a week. white person? Okay, you had white abolitionists, you know, that helped fr- slaves get free. You had white people on the Underground Railroad. Okay, all white people are, are not evil, and that's not my point. You don't have to say white people are bad to show to point out an injustice. And um, you know, I'm you know, even even Malcolm X towards the end of his life was saying that he he don't care what color you are as long as we can get rid of this um, this madness as far as racism in this country. Okay, so um, and I'll talk about it on another show. Okay, let's let's bring bring up uh, Diane, and then we go to Bubby. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing, Tyrone? All right, Diane. How's it going? I'm telling you, it's your people. Yeah, my people. I tell they, you, my people. Small, so much self doubt. You know what? Small-minded people yeah. that always think nothing's going to happen. Have right. And black people cannot practice. Pro- pro- I mean, pro- it's sad. You Self-defeatism. know, if you, you look back when Baltimore was all segregated, and if those black people still had the mindset of the person that just called you, we wouldn't have those black communities that we had back in, Thank in you. those days. Thank you. You know, you have to take something and make nothing, I mean, something to make something out of it. It might be nothing. And majority of people in Baltimore that are African-Americans are renting or making somebody else right. rich. Thank you. By renting a $1,000 home where they could be buying that home for $300 a, a month. month. Thank you. If they God. would just, Common you know, sense people, is not as tall as we think it is. People and, think that they, you know, we live in a bubble. We don't live in a bubble. African-American.
Oh, dang. And, and, okay. and, uh, you know, making somebody else is rich. You know, and I know you don't have a lot of time, but yeah, we got to we gotta stop thinking like that. We got to start thinking We got to stop self-defeatist thinking. And, yeah. you know, Mike Tyson is one of the greatest fighters of all time. One of the big man, you know, mm-hmm. he's about 5'10", something like that. He knocked out guys six seven, and uh, in like uh, a minute. You know what I'm saying? But a yeah. lot of those guys were defeated before they even stepped in the ring. Yes, and you, you know, know and we got to think like that. We got to think unity. It, you know, even like if you get the money, we got to continue as African American throwing. I mean, putting money into your idea and for the next generation and the next generation. Thank we got to think you. ahead. We can turn that money over. Yes. It's a loan program. We're yes. gonna pay the money back. Right, and we're, we're not trying to keep people, money. Look, and here's the other thing, Diane. Mm-hmm. We're not, personally, I don't make no money off of this. The money goes to the citizens in the form of loans, all right? Right, right. Like, it's a good idea because it's not really costing taxpayers anything. They right. get their money back. And, and you, you know, if, I don't know if you heard the show The show before this, the um, Maryland um, mortgage thing, and they was talking about if you have a student loan and you want to buy a house, they will do a second mortgage on your right. home so you, you be debt-free so you can get that house. So what are they waiting for to... Stop waiting on the government when we and can Stop do waiting things. on the rich people to do something for you. <laughs> we can do they, they things ourselves. Out. Thank you. We can save Wake ourselves. Up, Nobody's going to save us but us. And he talking about, when well, I'm tired of hearing people, come on. Well, stop listening that's to why, the radio n- then. N- hey, thank you. Now, and that's why Harry Tubman had to have a gun. Because some people want to turn back around. Yeah. better under slavery. Yes. And she would say, okay, well, I tell you what, you're going to be free, you're going to die. Right. And How's you that? know, Tyrone, most of these people, I'm going to let you go, most of these people say they believe in God. God doesn't have no low mind. He has a big mind and a big, you know, big dreams. Right. People yep. got. And they, when, when Moses took people out of the prom, uh, to the promised land, out of Egypt, someone wanted to go back. Yes. You know, because they knew, you know, they knew life in Egypt, even though they were slaves. They were so used to what they got, and yeah. they were scared to even put their, you know, their one feet in front of the other feet. And we got to stop that. That's a defeating thing. When you come on the radio and say, oh, I don't believe that you can do this. Right. Well, don't call we this. You don't do believe it. Get, get a you show of man, your own. The man might be listening, and he ain't going to let us do, right. you know, you know, the, the boss man ain't going to. Look, I ain't got time for that. We got to be evolutionary. We got to be rebellious to do what we know <laughs> we can That's do. That's the only thing that works. It's going to work. I'm putting Terry Tubman on a $20 bill. He's putting Nat Turner. He was a real freedom fighter, too. Yes. You know what I'm saying? You got mm-hmm. the right to kill somebody to get your freedom. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And, he took and, that, look, and, and the United States of America is living proof of that. The revolution is not going to be televised, y'all. And it's not going to be on your cell phones. It's not. Yeah. And when I'm talking about revolution, I'm not talking about picking up a gun. But I know everybody's couple, changing right? Changing things in Baltimore right. City and other cities across the United States. But the Ravens going to be on. And you know what? They're going to Super Bowl this year. So everybody's coming. I have not nothing. looked at the football <laughs> game since they did um, Kevin Cavern. I mean, Cavern. Uh, I love, the way they did. I love I have football. Not, and I'm not going to watch TV. I keep it in its place. Yes. You know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a challenge right. game being played with grown men. There's a lot of violence involved. It's great. I love it. It's good entertainment. Yeah. But that's all it is. It doesn't okay. support me. I don't make no money with those guys with. Okay. And I'll I'm call not you tired. back next week. Get <laughs> right. Bubby. Get Bubby. All right. All right. Okay, Bye. Bubby. Bubby. Go ahead. Bubby. 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 Tyrone. Yeah, okay. Go ahead, sir. Yes, Tyrone. Yeah, go ahead. I hear you now. Hey, Tom, I'm doing well. Great conversation, brother, and stay on that battlefield. And you're 100% right. We sometimes shoot our own self in the foot with the stuff we say. But let me just say to you, my brother, until we address that for over 30 years, the money at the Baltimore City Housing Authority been taken out of public housing and sent to downtown like Fells Point, yep. Canton. I agree. You did. All right. You talk about from, from William Donald Schaefer 
now down to Jack Young. They have raped the Baltimore City Housing Authority and uh, Housing and Community Development. The first thing that a man should do audit those departments. But to get back to something that you said that you were so right on, how Governor Hogan said that he was demolishing property in areas because of high crime. <laughs> now look, he didn't demolish and that's why, half of West Baltimore. That's why we got to be very careful and with now, these people trying to put us in panic mode about the murder rate. Now, the murder rate, there you go. we need to do something about it. But you know what? We had 300 murders every year from 1989 to 1999. It's nothing new. It's nothing new that's because right. you haven't done anything different. You're still doing the same old things. Right. If we want to solve the murder rate, we got to do something different, something revolutionary. If we now, want to stop. For instance, Tyrone, if the governor would have took $5 million of that $77 million and gave it to your organization to create a entrepreneurial training program around community development well, of the Well, let me stop you right community. there. I'm going to say this to the governor if you listen. I don't want no money for my organization. What I want money for is I want money in the form of loans to African-Americans and the city of Baltimore because they were victims of that um, uh, predatory lending Correct. crisis that created all this blight in the first place. I want some reciprocity. I agree with it's you. So, it's sort of like reparations. It's the only, only right thing to do I, at this I, point. I agree with you entirely on that same vein. Until you make the communities that was raped by the mass of this city equal, you can't talk about funding something until you repair the breach from you taking billions of dollars from public housing and sticking it into Southport, Canton, and these right. other areas. And the median income, by the way, of Roland Park is, is about $90,000. You can't compare that to a sand town. Yeah, you have crime in a sand exactly. town when you got abject poverty and people have no other things to do besides um, join drug gangs, which is an employment agency, really. And there's dollar signs behind these and murders. Proud, not all I'm of them. Not resident. all of them, but most of them. I'm a, I'm a proud resident of sand town. Right. But let's be perfectly clear. When you have raped communities and you have took all the dignities out of communities, you get communities in West Baltimore and East Baltimore where our power that be is dense to and, and everybody in Sandtown and everybody in Sandtown is not a criminal, by the way. Well, I, I wouldn't say I'm a criminal. Uh, no, no, no. I said everybody in Sandtown is not a criminal. Would you agree? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. I agree with you 110. percent But let let's make it. Right, most clear. people aren't. It's most people not aren't. The white people that betrayed us. It's people who look like us Thank that you. betrayed us. Thank you. And that's what Thank I mean. Thank you, much, by Tyrone. You have a great one. All right. Thanks for calling in. Right. Call back next week. All right, buddy. All right. Let's go to Dwight. Um, I'm tired of these callers calling and downing people, and I don't know why you let them do that because they go from station to station, station hopping like a church hopper. Okay. What's your point, sir? Sir, well, tell me what you want to talk about. I want to hear next. I want to hear positive stuff, sir. It's enough. Okay, we we're talking that. positive stuff. No, that's not. You always okay. have to come on and. and oh God! I, look, I'm not going to engage in an argument about what this person said. Tell me what you want. Tell me what you want to say. I'm not going to sit here. I don't have time. I only get an hour away. All right. I don't have time to sit and engage in, in negative stuff about you know this person, that person. Tell me about how we can improve our condition in Baltimore. All right. Tell me that. Don't don't tell me about um, your feelings about somebody says something bad. Or, I mean, unless unless you're trying to um, defeat self defeatism, okay. And I don't want that on my show either. All right. So I would tend to give um, somebody some air time that that's trying to. Um, let's go to Byron uh, Allen versus Comcast, nineteen eighty eight, and uh, sorry. 
So we'll there be- isn't any real true economic inclusion. Here's what Comcast won't say. And my mother always says, listen for what they don't say. What they won't say to Roland and the rest of the world, we, Comcast, spend over $11 billion a year licensing cable networks. And African-Americans get close to zero of that. In the case of one of those people that they tout as we're in business with, one of them doesn't get one penny of that $11 billion. They've said to them, just sell your commercials and live off the commercials. So let's, let's, let's unpack this. There are seven networks that target African-Americans. Yes. You've got BET and their sister network. Which is owned by Viacom. And BET Her, owned by Viacom. Yes. You've got TV One. Yes. And their network, Clio TV. Yes. Where publicly traded company controlling shareholders are Alfred Liggins and Kathy Hughes. His Who mother. I love. Who I love. Uh, and, and so and you go to their website, they say they are largest black-owned media company uh, in the country. Then you have uh, Aspire TV, uh, which was one of the networks that went to Magic Johnson. Yes. Uh, and then you have Revolt. And then, of course, you have Own Oprah's Network. Yes. And so... Um, how do you respond uh, to that in terms of them having carriage deals with those networks um, that, again, yes, Viacom owns BET, but case of TV One, it's a black-owned network. Yes. How do you respond to that? Well, like I said, you know, you have to look at the numbers, and that's what the discovery will tell you, exactly how much economic inclusion are they getting out of the $11 billion. And for the people who don't understand the cable industry, the reality is um, most, well, not most, but the way the deal works is there are some people who have carriage, yes. but aren't okay, getting so subscription fees. That was Byron Allen. And uh, what he's talking about is uh, his lawsuit against Comcast because they won't give him any, any time on their cable network. They control everything, and they're a monopoly in, in some ways. And um, they're, they're I'm discriminating against African-American networks in, in a lot of ways. And, and blacks, by the way, are the biggest TV watchers in the world. That's why we're in the situation we're in. So we spend more money per capita on, on Comcast than any other group of people, all right? Because we watch too much damn TV. But at any rate, what's at stake is the Civil Rights Act of 1866. Because Comcast, not Byron, decided to put that on the table. With with um, Donald Trump's Justice Department having a friend of the court brief against the Civil Rights Act of 1866. Which is the first time in history any administration had, um, uh, um, uh, had a friend of the court brief against the Civil Rights Act. By the way, thank you for tuning in to another exciting Edition of Call Tyrone's show. Tune in next week. And I thank you for your time. WOLB Baltimore and WERQ FM HD3 Baltimore.